Hello and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast on what has been an epic week for film photography because we have not had one but two new cameras announced this week which we will absolutely talk about later. Um, This week with me as always the ever lovely birthday girl herself Rachel is with me. Rachel how are you? Hi Graham. I'm good. I'm good. I'm um, half a bottle of wine down, so uh, having fun. <laughs> um, I've had a lovely day. Uh, I've been to the cinema. Um, I watched the new uh, Murder on the Orient Express. So that was lots of fun. Um, enjoyed the the moustaches in in that, and uh, I've received some lovely parcels of film and loveliness. So uh, I'm having a lovely day. It's been great. And you sound much much healthier than you did last week as well. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be difficult, really. I was quite <laughs> sort of coughing away in the background. But uh, but yes, much healthier today and um, very excited to speak to our uh, our special guest, I suppose we should call him. <laughs> we have got a very special guest this week. World traveller, um, international celebrity, occasional co-host of the very <laughs> well-known... <laughs> I mean, occasional co-host of this podcast as well, but also occasional co-host of the Tips from the Top Floor podcast. Check it out, people, this week. Um, it is the one and only Aid off of Sunny 16 podcast. Aid, welcome <laughs> back! Yay! Oh, too kind, too kind. Yes, <laughs> I, I am a... I am a, 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 a established you know, uh, podcasting guru and world traveller, as you say. Um, it's been a funny three weeks, but I guess uh, we've got as long as we like, because it's a podcast, to talk about it. Aid, I'm is... so happy to have you back. We're so honestly so happy to have you here, steering the ship again. Thank goodness. Phew. <laughs> and, and the best thing is, because it's our podcast, it really can just go as long as it wants, because we are the king of rambling. Um Oh, I, I, there's, there's so much stuff we're going to have to ask you about, particularly penises, because the podcast that you did last week with Chris seemed quite penis focused. So we'll definitely have to get to that. But um, let's start off with the obvious ones. You've been away for the last three weeks in Bhutan. Um, did you find that film worked for you was it the right choice not taking a digital camera let's start with the big one was it the right call okay so as we record this i as yet have seen no film photographs that i took so i have some films that are in a lab i have some films that need to be posted to a lab so i have no idea yet whether there is any output at all (laughs) (laughs) i did see in the show notes how many um not metal detectors, that wouldn't matter. How, how many uh, x-ray machines did you take all that film through? Um, I uh, a, a good dozen, at least, I think. So so here's the thing. So I figured, OK, well, there'll be, uh, there'll be uh, at least one on the way out there. There'll be at least one on the way back and maybe a few others. I figured maybe five or six x-ray machines. What I didn't bank on is that some of the airports won't even let you in the building until you, all your luggage has been through an x-ray machine and, and stuff like that. So I reckon my film at this point has probably been through 12, 13, 14 x-ray machines. Uh, it's a good job you like low speed film really isn't it i was gonna say remind us of which sort of speeds you were taking with you uh well so i had some ecta so i'm hoping that's going to survive because that 100 was my lower speed film and i took some vision 3 kodak vision 3 250 daylight film so that was my fastest the 250 and I had some low red scale, which apparently is anything between 50 and 200. So um, that's uh, 
so that's hopefully uh, uh, not too sensitive as well. So look, the, the, at this point, um, so the, not, uh, I'm not going to go all depressive and stuff like this and say my, my photographs aren't going to come out. So A, film was absolutely the right thing to take. B, even if I don't get any photo bikes, photo bikes, photographs back... <laughs> How was a photo bike? Even if I don't get any photographs back, um, somebody quick get a Kickstarter for that. Yeah, that absolutely. Um, uh, I I have had the most amazing time. I mean, this is going to sound a bit um, a bit foolish for a podcast, but I'm struggling to find the words to describe the experience I've had. Uh, at least to describe it succinctly, anyway. Um, I have seen. Uh, what's that? What's that speech from the end of the original Blade Runner movie? You know, the one that Rutger Hauer legendarily ad libbed. Yeah. Oh I, yes. Yeah, it's it's that I have seen things you cannot believe. Yeah, wherever it starts off. I mean, I have seen so much stuff, and I've met so many people, and they've all been really friendly, and uh, I I've been completely outside of my previous experience. Um, and uh it's it's just been awesome it's been amazing there's uh, there's no other word for it it's just been an amazing experience and i have loved absolutely every second of it okay uh one you i am absolutely erect with jealousy because to come back with that sort of feeling from any trip is kind of amazing it really and especially you, you weren't gone for all that long and it's clearly been an absolutely monumental trip for you um where was the first place you got to when you went there? <laughs> well, where do you want to start? I mean, yeah, it, 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 you can't even get there in one go. So the first thing I did was fly to Abu Dhabi, and but all I saw there was the inside of the airport lounge. Yeah, and I was oh, and there was a Lego camel, wasn't there? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was a, a camel made out of Lego sitting in the, in, in the, uh, the airport terminal at Abu Dhabi um so so but that 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 wasn't part of the trip really that was just a sort of stopover on the way to change planes uh so the first place like the first place i i ended up was Kathmandu, which um for those of you that know it is is not in bhutan uh, it is of course the capital of nepal but that's where we were all meeting up and i and i managed to spend all of like one evening there so it was pretty much dark by the time i arrived i managed to get to the the specific uh bar restaurant a place called the revolution cafe in Kathmandu, uh to meet up with the rest of the tour group uh and then the following day really we got up in the morning and took a taxi to the airport so so, so that was it but i did get um did have a couple of crazy taxi rides through Kathmandu, which is uh oh, blimey um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's noisy. It's full of people. It's traffic's just traffic just going everywhere, and not just the normal left, right, forward, and back. I mean, it's, going, it's, it's just like it's Up going all all directions at the same time on roads that sometimes are full of potholes that are always covered in dust. I mean, from about nine thirty in the morning when it's not raining in Kathmandu, and it's not raining at this time of year. Um, there's a sort of cloud of dust that hangs over the whole city um, and you can't walk around in it for more than 20 minutes without actually feeling like your chest is really, really tight. And, and a lot of the people who live there or spend more time there, they wear face masks to keep the dust out. Um, it is a, a crazy, uh, um, you know, I don't know, assault on the senses in a good way. Um, but it is just, it, there's just, uh, it's relentless, <laughs> but that's where we started out. 
did, uh, I spent a couple of days there. Um, uh, actually, spent a couple of proper days in Kathmandu on the way home, uh, rather than the way out there. But um, we did fly from Kathmandu into Bhutan. Um, and there's one international airport in Bhutan uh, in a town called Paro. Uh, so that's your, your, your entry and exit point. Um, uh, and that was the arrival was great. I mean, uh, you can get, you can um, look this up on YouTube actually. But if you imagine there's some very yeah very steep mountains and 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 narrow valleys, but you've got to fly an Airbus three twenty round those. So it's got a zooming left and right and up and down and yeah you're sort of almost landing on a slant. But uh, I believe the pilots have to do uh, uh, an extra certificate <laughs> to land at that particular airport. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Nah, it's all right. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? It's an aeroplane. I mean, it's just a do you get like turn. an extra? Do you get like an extra badge or something that says "I survived flying into Bhutan <laughs> Airport" or something? You can stitch Never it on mind. afterwards. Never mind an extra badge. You get an extra pair of underpants to change into <laughs> after the landing. What I'd want. Well, yeah, it's, but it's so so. It, it's an interesting start because yeah, the, the the trip that I've been on right was very very well organised and very very well thought through. And so you you end up we sort of you get that little you know, you land and you've got a little taster in the, the capital of Bhutan is called Timpu, uh, and so we when we landed we got, went straight to to Timpu for a couple of days, and uh, explored around the capital city, which is the yeah the biggest uh, biggest city. Uh, about a hundred and twenty thousand people live there, so it's smaller than Reading, quite a lot smaller than Reading actually. Uh, I don't know how many people live in Oxford, but I mean it's not what necessarily what we would call a major city uh, in the UK, but. Uh, that is the biggest city in Bhutan. But again, they, you know, they have, I mean, there are no traffic lights in Bhutan. Um, I don't think there are any in Nepal, actually, either. At least I didn't see any. But in Bhutan, there are no traffic lights, but they don't need them because there's not that many people and there's not that much traffic, even in the capital. So you're immediately slowing down and experiencing things in a different way. Um, and you know, when we were in uh, Timpu, we went. Uh, they have on the mountain on the hillside above Timpu, they have the highest and the tallest sitting Buddha. So this is a big golden Buddha statue uh, that's halfway up a mountain, and apparently it has it's at the highest altitude of any sitting Buddha in the world, and it's yeah. also enormous. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, and yeah, so uh, yeah, we you we, we immediately see see something like that when there was a religious festival on that time. So lots of prayers, lots of monks around, uh, lots of people. Because seventy five percent of uh, Bhutanese are Buddhists, and and the majority of those are practicing Buddhists. So they come to religious festivals and they sit and they pray. Um, you know, so it's it, it's already an entirely different culture, even on day one from what anything i've ever experienced um and you know it just went on from there really we went further east into the country we went and saw yeah we did hiking through the mountains we visited monasteries we visited uh you know villages to see how they did rice farming yeah we're wandering around rice paddy fields talking to the farmers you know um or, or at least making sign language and laughing together and taking photos of them um you know we went we went to uh they have these these very very large fort buildings that they call zongs which are um part 
monastery as it's part religious and part uh, government and administration we went to some of those we went hiking up high and and seeing uh seeing the landscapes we uh, we went to a religious festival we went to um, which is a bit like a. It, 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 it's basically we went to 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 a thing called the Bhutan Festival, which is basically the biggest festival in Bhutan. So if you think right, Glastonbury, right for for those of for those of our listeners that know the UK festival scene, mm-hmm. Glastonbury gets what one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, something like that. So, I think. so, so in in Bumtang, the 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 total headcount is about three thousand people for this festival. But you still get the same atmosphere because these are people that don't spend any time in large crowds. It's a very rural country, um, and most of the people live in the mountains in very very small villages. And if they see more than ten people in the same place at the same time, that that's an event. So if you come to a tiny festival where there's a couple of thousand people and there is exactly like a festival in the UK, there's a whole sort of tented village and there's a whole sort of tented marketplace with cafes and stalls and things like that. But you look at the people and they're experiencing the same thing as we experience when we go to festivals. They've got you know, a light in their eyes. You've got young people, you know, you know, teenagers, you know, girls and boys who are really excited because they don't get to meet strangers. You know, there's no way to go out when you live in a tiny village of you know a couple hundred people. There's no way to go out and and meet new people. So it's 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 a really it, it's very different um, in the in the culture and the way things work there. But but the people are really friendly and they're still in their own way going through the same things that we go through. So it's it's very difficult to put it into words. I'm hoping that I actually get some photographs back and that they do the talking a little bit. <laughs> because <laughs> because words are failing me right now the, the fact though that as you said right at the get-go that even if they don't come out you you actually just had such a great time over there that it really i mean yes it would be a major bummer let's not be um talking nonsense here but the fact that the trip was just so amazing anyway ah it, it sounds amazing um what how many rolls of film did you get through that seems like a good thing to find out okay yeah let's get let, let's get something that i can express sensibly yes because <laughs> otherwise this show might go on for a very long time indeed <laughs> we need some logistics aid so, okay so <laughs> so i took with me 23 rolls of film and i shot 15 of them that's Ooh. pretty good going and what did you shoot because you took so you could, took some kodak cine film you took the red scale and you took the ektar yeah. Um, so, what's the breakdown? What was the you know? Are there any that you've come back with all of them, or have you given everything to go? No, I gave it. I gave it all a shot. Um, so I think I shot. I took ten hectare and I shot eight of those. Uh, I took ten Vision Three, and I shot five of those. And then I took three Red Scale just for playing around for fun, and I took and I shot two rolls of that. Oh, cool! A good selection then. Yeah. What, what was the stuff you were shooting? Quite diverse. I mean, obviously, uh, you you saw a lot of people there. You you, know, you have said a few times that um, getting to meet the people out there was a really important part of it. So, obviously, I'm hoping you got lots of pictures of the local people there. Um, was there much in the way of landscape photography as well? Was you know, was it quite a mixed bag of stuff you were shooting? Did you shoot some stuff whilst you were um, in the cities in the first place? Uh, yeah, so so the the I mean, if you want to put it into photographic categories, um, uh, there's uh, some street photography, um, uh, and sometimes in places where there's only one street, 
um, but there's some. There, then there are. Um, uh, it, it, the, there is event photography. Uh, so you know, you know festivals and the like. So again, there's a lot of people, but people in a particular context uh, where where there's an event going, a big event going on. Uh, there is there's some there's some just people photography. Would I call it portraiture? It, I don't know. It's difficult because it's so spontaneous, you know. So it, 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 if if there's such a thing as spontaneous portraiture, then yes, there, there, there's a ton of that. Um, uh, and then there is some landscape as well. So. Um, you know, for example, one morning we got up uh, and we, you know, about half past three, got on a bus at 4 a.m. because we needed to be nearly two hours away uh, at a very high mountain pass, 4,000 metres, which is what, about 13,500 feet. Um, and uh, we had to be there for sunrise because from that particular mountain pass you could see across several valleys to some to the some of the highest mountains in Bhutan which were snow covered and the sun came up on those snow covered peaks so we had to be there with tripod set up at the ready before sunrise so yeah there was some very specific let's go out catch the sunrise kind of landscape photography as well is this when you use your cable release aid did you actually get a chance to use it uh, yeah, I did, but I forgot it that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but but my cameras have um, uh, self timers on them, um, and what happens in my cameras when you when you put the self timer on, you press the shutter button, the shutter release, and it flips the mirror up um, straight away, mm-hmm. um, and then then it'll do its countdown, and then it'll just uh, do the shutter itself. So. Um, yeah, if as long as you put your sort of four, five, six seconds on the self timer, the mirror was up and the tripod had stabilised before it actually made the shot. So, great. Oh, well, that's good. So, um, just uh, remind us again which cameras you take you you took with you, and also did they all make it through it alive? <laughs> yeah. <they did. laughs> so hey. I, I I I took um, uh, my favorite my best uh 35 mil cameras my nikon fe2s uh i have a a pair of those one silver one and one black they've both been serviced in the last couple of years so um and they are pretty bulletproof um and they didn't miss a trick quite honestly Um, did you load them both up with with two rolls of film so you have both accessible or yeah did did you just take one out okay Mm -hmm. well no so so um well we were doing hiking and stuff um but Mm -hmm. we were also traveling on a a bus we had like a i don't know a 25 seater bus for our group um and so a day day by day i would take a rucksack full of kit you know my, my camera backpack full of all my kit and leave that on the bus and then I, I had with me everything I needed to so if we stopped in a town for lunch I could just take one camera on a, on a shoulder strap and, and leave the rest in the, in the bus if we were doing a hike I did the first the first actually <laughs> shout out to Hamish here actually uh, but the the first time we did a hike um, which was on like the second day and we did an 11 kilometer hike um uh but we started off at about 3200 meters so we started off at 10,000 feet and hiked <laughs> upwards from there oh my goodness right. <laughs> um uh and that was quite hard work so i mean the 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 walk itself the hike itself uh would have been absolutely no bother if i'd done it at home but the the air is significantly thinner once you get over 3000 meters 
Uh, and so that was really, really hard work. But by the end, I had carried, I realised I had carried too much stuff too far and lots of my shoulder muscles and back muscles were really, really tight and quite painful. Uh, so after that, I um, I remember we had, uh, he- um, this is the Hamish bit. I remember, hi Hamish, uh, if you're listening, uh, Hamish did a blog post or a couple of reviews not so long ago. One was about a clip that you put on your belt, like a holster for your camera. And then on the other side, he had a little camera bag that was attached to the belt as well. So he had yeah, the whole sort of gunslinger effect. And I found out actually that worked really, really well for me. So uh, I had a um, uh, the, my, my, my hiking trousers have a built in belt. So my other belt that I had with me for just jeans, I used that like a gunslinger, slightly loose around my hips. And on one side, I threaded that through my uh, a little camera bag so I could carry a bottle of water and a spare lens and a spare camera if necessary. And on the other one, I had my peak design camera clip thingy so i had a a camera on one hip and a small bag on the other hip and that made it much easier for hiking so um you know yes not exactly the fashion statement of 2017 (laughs) uh but that's okay because i was a very long way away (laughs) and you made it your own you know and i think that's oh yeah i totally owned it rage i totally owned it any fashion description that starts off well with my hiking trousers is always doomed to a certain degree of failure uh, and, um, and, and 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 yes and taking a leaf out of hamish's book as well <laughs> oh yes i mean hamish really is the epitome of sartorial elegance i will definitely say having now met him <laughs> um i wish people could see my uh, ironic look on my face right now um how did you find aid being on a holiday with a group of photographers because i i, I I've only ever been on like a couple of photo walks. And the thing that I always find is that it actually kind of stops me from taking many photos because everyone's always looking at her and clicking around. I'm like, well, they're all taking those photos. And there's no, so I'm not going to take the same ones. But I'm guessing you didn't do that because that would made it quite a pointless journey an awful long way around the world. <laughs> how, how did you find, and also, how did you find it hanging out with digital riffraff? Digital riffraff. <laughs> All right, well, let's try and take those one step at a time. So I was the only film shooter on the trip. Um, so uh, one of the, uh, Chris Marquardt, who is one of the uh, professional photographers organising this trip, he does shoot a lot of film, uh, right the way up to large format. He's even written a book called The Film Photography Handbook, uh so you know a a real book in print so you know he is no stranger to this although but for this trip he was shooting entirely digital so um uh digital riffraff do you know what um it it, part me part me wishes i had taken a digital camera as well because i didn't take it i mean i had my phone and i've got a ton of photos that i took on my phone just to make sure that i could match up the film photos later and 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 for things where just you know um where i was it just where the phone was the right thing but the but no it was easy um uh, pretty much just every now and again throughout the whole trip almost everybody else in the group said so so are you shooting film then so, so, so tell me, tell me, do you do your own developing, or uh, how, how does that work then? <laughs> like, yeah. um, so yeah, the, there were people there who clearly had shot film 
you know, in the olden days. And there were people there who really had absolutely no idea about film photography. Um, so it was quite an interesting conversation because they were quite in that they were interested in, in understanding the process and the tools and things like that. So, so that wasn't too bad. Um, I had a similar experience, I think, when I went away to Italy and did my film, uh, my photography workshop there because I was the only film shooter there as well. And actually, it started off some really nice conversations and people tended to be very excited and interested about it and wanted to know more. So I'm glad that you had this, a similarly really nice experience, um, enjoyable experience, Aid. That's good. It's good to know. It, it, it is good. To, it was. It felt good, actually. Mm. Um, on the whole, being in a group thing, um, uh, the group worked really well. So we had Germans, Canadians, Americans, uh, there was at least one Czech person. So we had a, a whole range of people, and uh, but and, and and a range of ages as well. I mean, the, the, I guess the one one of the the few things that everybody had in common was that um, no children. <laughs> Apart from me, um, and uh, what the the other uh, professional photographer who who had organised the trip, a chap called Tim, uh, who had children. Uh, but you know, most of the people on the trip, the the, the paying clients, had no children, and therefore had mm-hmm. plenty of time and plenty of disposable income. Um, uh, so I was a bit the odd one out in that way. Um, but yeah, they were all really nice people, um, whatever their nationality or their background or their yeah, experience or anything. And we all got on really nicely. And so, you know, you know it didn't feel forced, which was which is interesting because usually I'm crap in groups like that. <laughs> this <is> like, <laughs> but this was really easy and good fun and they were great people. Was it the same group over the three weeks, Aid? Did you find that you kind of ended up building up relationships with them, you know, a bit of camaraderie, that kind of thing? Or uh, or, or did it change over that time? Did you have people dipping in and out? Well, we, I mean, we were all on a fixed itinerary, so we all travelled mm-hmm. together everywhere. Um, did I spend more time with Sam? Yeah, but that, that was more about physical ability than it was about um preference so because we were doing a bunch of hiking there were some people that were more fit than others and i tell you you know um this doesn't speak well for a a group of photographers but i was one of the fitter people in the group (laughs) so there were some of us that were constantly at the same pace on a hike for example um you know and therefore we spent more time together um and then there were some that were that that i got to know over dinners and lunches and things like that because we always came together to eat um um, and and you'd always end up sitting next to somebody else at the dinner table and stuff like that. So um, by the end of the two weeks, yeah, that we were all you know forced to be together. I I knew pretty much everybody. Some of them slightly better than others, but I knew everybody. And uh, yeah, they were all really good people. That sounds pretty amazing uh, to to be in a group of people like that for that length of time and not fall out with them. It's more than I think I've ever managed. Um, you took you you prepared quite well before you went away. Out of I all did. The stuff that you, out, well, I mean, for you, out of all the stuff that you took, what's the stuff that you lugged halfway around the world and then just didn't use at all? Mm-hmm. And what's the stuff that you didn't lug halfway around the world that you really wish you had done? Uh, there's some pretty obvious answers to this, actually. Um, the thing I didn't use was any of my lighting equipment. <laughs> good there you go what, what I told did you, you take with you yeah what did you take with you eh? well i took one speed light and the transmitter for it um i took a, a small collapsible soft box that that folds up flat 
um, and a little stick to, to put it all on so that somebody could hold a stick. Um, so I didn't take a lot of stuff. I think I took a light meter as well. But um, uh, so it didn't take a lot of stuff. And that quickly got relegated to my main suitcase and not, you know, not, not carried about all the time. Um, but that... Yeah, the, the the thing is, you have sometimes you know, you have to take some stuff that might be useful. So if we had spent some time in the middle of a city in the evening or something, you know, we could have been taking photographs of each other and we could have used the lighting for that. Um, it, as it happened, that's not the way it turned out. Um, it uh, Bhutan is a lot nearer the equator than we are. I mean, you know, there it's uh, twenty seven degrees or so, and so you get your sort of regulation twelve hours of daylight almost um and uh so everything settles down really quickly uh it gets dark very quickly um and then people have dinner and then they go to bed so we weren't doing outdoor stuff in the dark so it um and then and the indoor stuff when we were indoors we were in monasteries and temples and stuff like that so you know no flash photography and in fact actually in some of them no photography at all in the in the very holy places so that which had potential as a piece of kit uh didn't get used at all I'm trying to think else what else did I what else did I not use at all uh how, how I took a polarizer I took a polarizer and I didn't use that I took a, a a little um a little synthetic towel in my camera bag uh that I thought might be useful for mopping off the rain but it turned out it didn't really rain much in the slightest uh it, a couple of thunderstorms but you know over in a you know in a very short time um and didn't really interfere with the whole itinerary in fact we were very lucky with the weather um so yeah those are the sorts of things i didn't use how did you get on with your tripod i used it <laughs> it's a tripod so let's all right so it's a fucking tripod right <laughs> All it yeah. does is just. I'm not all it does. Going for it. All it does is stand there. Right? It's not exciting. Let's move on. Fair enough. But it hasn't. I mean, having actually used it now, do you feel better inclined towards it, or is this going to go into a drawer and not see the light of day until you manage to escape next? Uh, that is a good question. Um, it, so it was useful when I wanted to take a picture of a sunrise. Uh, there were a couple of times in the night where we had to take photographs of a lit building, you know, shutter speeds of a couple of seconds. Um, and uh, that I used a tripod for. But I mean, I it, it, I wasn't carrying it around every day. It wasn't doing any harm sitting there in my suitcase or in the back of the bus. So it was fine. Um, uh, do I love tripods? No, <laughs> never. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so what did you find that you were missing? Maybe what were you looking at the other shooters there going, oh, I kind of wish I had one of them with me right now? Apart from a digital camera with a decent <laughs> zoom lens, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's actually, in all seriousness, a zoom lens. So I had, I took three lenses, figuring I'd use two. I took a 24, a 50, and an 85. Uh, and I used the 24 and the 50 fairly constantly, and I used the 85 once or twice on the whole trip. Um, what I really would have liked was a zoom lens that would at least have done wide to normal. So uh, whether that would be, uh, I don't know, you, let's say a, uh, a 24 to 
55 not that i know that one of those exists in a nikon nikon do some some zoom lenses that might be suitable for my cameras but um uh but i i, I could have done with that one of the lenses that was very popular so almost everybody was shooting with canon dslrs and one of the lenses that canon does is a 24 to 105 f4 lens and I don't think it's a cheap one. I think it's about a thousand pounds or something like that. Um, but um, if you th- so so one let's let's step back a little bit. Forget about the individual kit. Um, taking those film cameras with prime lenses was a real uh, it was a real luxury. But when you're doing travel photography, you don't need luxury kit. You need functional kit. <laughs> And so I think if there was something that I didn't have with me that I would really have liked, it would have been a single zoom lens that would have mean I could move more quickly and I wouldn't have to stop and change lenses and risk missing a moment and stuff Mm. like that. Um, So much so, actually, that since I came back, I have actually tried to look up and see, is there a zoom lens I can buy for my Nikon 35mm kit uh, that would do the job? And I haven't found one yet, so I need to keep looking. But Yeah, um, well, listeners get in touch with recommendations that it's a thing that i've thought of in the past because it with zoom lenses finding good zoom lenses seems to be the trick there's loads and loads of not very good zoom lenses out there um, but finding a good zoom lens is not not easily done on any lens mount i don't think no it isn't i mean so uh, i mean where i would look i think and, and i need to do more on this is is um, some Nikon lenses from the 90s, the AFD range of lenses, which I tend to use anyway because they're the, the most modern lenses that still have an aperture ring on them. And so if I could find one of those, maybe that's uh, that's an option. Um, but it did. So so it, 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 it is one of those things where actually um, <laughs> it, I, I was less inclined to experiment with photography because there were so many interesting things to take photographs of. So it was like at some points I was thinking, do you know what? Actually, it did. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd only had a digital camera on that trip because you know, or a lot of the reasons that I like to shoot film were almost rendered completely defunct by the fact that I was having such an amazing experience, and you couldn't possibly, you know, the 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 the, the aesthetic of the photo is isn't isn't the point anymore and the tools you shoot it on are not the point anymore other than unless they make it really easy mm-hmm. so uh, i don't know who who it was that was famous that said if you want to take more interesting photos point your camera at more interesting stuff yeah <laughs> you know um i saw a lot of really interesting stuff on this trip okay and I, because we promised this earlier i think that this is now talk to us about the penises <laughs> talk to you about the penises well you know when a mummy and a daddy love each other very much <laughs> not your penises Kate has multiple penises multiple. we'll go into that now <laughs> okay so so, I t- so okay so here's the thing so in the early 17th century uh there was a a, a chap in Bhutanese history who they call the dif- the, the divine madman um and he was a traveling monk he was a traveling buddhist monk um, he had um, he had a man of a man of big appetites. Uh, he had appetites for food, appetites for the ladies, appetites for fighting demons. Um, and there's a story about one particular demon that this guy had to to suppress. 
Um, and uh, it turned out that he, his weapon of choice was his phallus, and his phallus <laughs> spits fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. He battled the demon with a spitting dick. <laughs> well done, culture. Yes, and uh, because of that... It's quite a picture, that, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> because of that, in certain parts of Bhutan, actually, uh, the, the phallus is a, is a, a very strong uh, symbol uh, it's a symbol for uh, strength and for fertility, for, uh, obviously for, for fertility, um, but strength, fertility and sometimes luck as well. And so in certain places, and one, it's one particular village we went to, um, uh, they, uh, the, the local people paint uh, pictures, uh, quite, um, quite large and detailed and sometimes cartoonish pictures of phalluses on the walls of their house for good luck. And for protection from evil spirits, so you can be wandering around, and and uh, you can be wandering around, and you sort of double take a bit because this is enormous. You know, this sort of you know four or five foot long phallus painted on the side of a building, and it's spitting something or other. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, if that happens around here, you call the council <laughs> or the police. Right. In the original story, does it make it clear whether the demon was defeated or whether the demon left in disgust? Because, I mean, I, look, I'm not arguing that it isn't an effective way of keeping demons away because I would imagine the, the word goes out and they'll go, don't go to that village. They will absolutely jizz on you. Just stay away. <laughs> I mean, that would keep me away from literally everywhere if I knew that, that was a, an option that might happen. So, um, did you get many pictures of them? You must have done. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few pictures, yeah, and yeah, as with as I did with a lot of things, I took a couple on my mobile phone as well. So, um, yeah, there are plenty of pictures. That's great. Did you? Is this a lot of these places you can buy wonderful things to bring back? Did you bring back a penis? Uh, I didn't. They do sell um, sculpted wooden phalluses. Um, uh, that's quite a thing in the uh, the souvenir industry in certain parts of Bhutan. Uh, but I, I declined. <laughs> It could have been taken the wrong way. Look what I got for you, dear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, let's just leave that right there, shall we? Um, I feel it's only fair because you put it right at the top of your list of things you wanted to talk about. And it's against my better judgment. But tell us about Olaf's Instax. Instax. Oh. Instax, Instax, Instax. Instax. I wish I had taken some Instax with me. So one of the the tour group uh, is a chap called Olaf, uh, guy, uh, great guy. He's from Berlin. Has a a, a, a fantastic sense of humour. But he had brought his girlfriend's camera with him, um, and she has one of these uh, new Instax SQ10 cameras that, of course, we slated quite significantly on the show some months ago mm-hmm. when it was first launched. So this is the one that shoots the square Instax, and it's, gen- it's basically a digital camera with a printer built into it. Um, uh, and um, he brought one of those, and he brought about 10 packs of Instax with him as well, and he put them all in his checked-in baggage, so they went through the really powerful X-ray machines, and they were all fine. So I, I don't get... Uh, either he was very, very lucky, or there's something different about instant film that it doesn't... It's not so susceptible to X-rays, but um, he took uh, he took that camera with him as long as well as his proper digital camera, uh, especially when we went to meet people. So if we went to a temple and we were going to be taking photographs of people, or if we went to a village to do archery uh, with local farmers, um, you know, to meet people, um, he would take this Instax camera. And he took photographs of people and he printed them out and gave them to those people. 
And I don't really need to tell you, I don't suppose, what the impact of that was. You know, there was huge smiles all around and thank you, thank you, thank you. And everybody made loads of friends. So in, uh, Olaf's, Olaf and his Instax camera made loads and loads of friends on on this trip. And I just wish that I had actually been brave enough to pack a bunch of Instax and take it with me and not worry too much about it getting destroyed by the x-rays. Um, because quite a lot often I was thinking, oh, I wish I had one of those. I wish I had one of those. So, um, you know, kudos to the Instax SQ10 camera. I have seen it in the wild now and seen the impact it can have. And it is a good impact. If you are in a part of the world where people are not likely to have their photograph any other way, at that point, it comes into its own. Well, I disagree with that, actually, because although Bhutan is is a country that's developing in different ways at different rates, um, everybody has cell phones, even the monks. You know, I, I saw... So we went to a religious festival and somehow our guide managed to get us inside this little uh, building just off the side of it where people were to watch from and take photos from. Um, and it turned out that this was the building where the, the Buddhist Lama was sitting um, to watch this festival. All the dan- all the traditional dances of people in costumes dance, uh, do it doing you know, um, signif- you know, uh, symbolic dances. And the Buddhist Lama was sat there flicking through Facebook on his mobile phone instead of watching the festival. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. And so... He was listening yeah. to Sunny Sixteen podcast, wasn't he? Eh? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, so, yeah, this is, you know, don't don't mistake, you know, just because they're not quite so developed in some areas as we are in Bhutan, don't mistake it for being a backward country. It is absolutely not that uh, at all. And so, you know, they do take photographs of each other all the time. Um, you know, it, yeah, the, and yeah, you know, I've seen it. Yeah, you know, these people at these festivals taking selfies and taking photos of the things that they can see and stuff like that. All of it with cell phones. I don't think I saw a local person with what we would consider a proper camera at any point, and certainly not a film camera. But the the thing they were they they loved about the Instax is that it was physical, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, and you know that whole thing about it taking a few months and uh, months, a few moments and minutes, and you can watch it magically appear in front of you because that 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 has a charm for everybody, regardless of, uh, and there are even some of them who would just take it away and shake it. how how is that thing about shaking a polaroid picture get to a place where there's never been a polaroid camera how does that happen (laughs) like i said they're they're all big outcast fans that's what it is maybe they get a lot of osmosis i guess yeah they they get a lot of indian telly as well in in bhutan so maybe they've seen it on indian telly i don't know but um so you know no you we you could have done this with a normal instax camera entirely analog camera um, but the ability to to take multiple photos, print the same photo more than once if there's two people in the photo and stuff like that really did lend something to the occasion. Um, so, um, yeah, I think we found the use case for the Instax SQ10. Can I ask, does, does the SQ10, does it store them? So, Olaf, would he be able to print them out for himself when he got home, for example? Yeah. Or is uh, it like, okay, right. Okay. So, so, I, sorry, go on. No, no, I was, oh, sorry, I was asking if you could tell us a little bit more about it, Aid, sorry. <clears throat> well, I think, um, uh, as I understand it, there's a digital sensor in it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think uh, shoots uh, quite low-res pictures. Um, I think they're 19, 
1920 by 1920 so it'll fit as a you know um uh i guess hd resolution which um if you like as a square um so they're not big pictures less than that'd be less than four megabytes or, or me megapixels wouldn't it and it only shoots jpegs um it has a screen and a menu system on the back and you can apply instagram style filters to it and then when you've when you've got the shot that you want and you've applied the filter that you want you just press the print button and it pops out the top like a normal instax camera um and then you but but it has got an sd card in it so when Olaf gets home, he can take mm -hmm. that SD card out. He can stick all the photos on his computer and he's got them there forever then. And, and he can print right. them out as well. <clears throat> um, mm -hmm. You can even put, I think, an SD card into it that has other photos on it and print those. But it doesn't have any Bluetooth or anything. So you haven't you can't print from an app like you can, like I can on my Fuji Instax printer. Um, I have an app on my phone. Uh, I can print photographs from my phone using over bluetooth it can't do that i don't think um but you could put an sd card in it from uh, a better camera and print an instax um from that that sounds magical eight i have three more questions i want to ask before we go to a break the first one okay you had an amazing trip. Clearly, you had an amazing trip. And I know you were a bit worried before you went away, just because you'd never spent time like this away from your family. Um, but nonetheless, you seem to have managed to have a pretty awesome time. Is this something you would like to do again? I would love to do it again. Absolutely no question. Um, I, th I think for me, I mean, you mentioned the family thing. So I think for me, the, the one significant downside to this trip is that I wasn't experiencing it with my family. Mm -hmm. so, you say downside? <laughs> I say... Um, uh, um. No, so, 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 so it is. So I have some new friends and that's great. You know, and I hope I stay in touch with them because they're really great people. Um, but not having my family there actually you know w w w was a downside no you know it, it didn't take away all the value of doing the trip or anything like that it was still an awesome trip and amazing amazing experience but i it, it would have been even better if i'd been able to share it with my family now as it yeah. goes uh my boy would have walked straight off the edge of a cliff um <laughs> neither of the kids would have eaten the food um you know so it wouldn't have worked um I mean, we we have travelled. I mean, I talked on the show about this earlier in the year when we travelled to New York as a family and experienced that together, and that was awesome. Now the kids could do that because it was a city and it had amenities. Uh, 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 basically, it had hot and cold running pizza, so they were fine. Um, it, they couldn't have done this trip, but maybe when they're older, they could. So no, I mean, I other other than that, I survived really well. Actually, I thought, you know, I don't no major injuries, no no minor injuries. Even I didn't fall down a ravine. That's lucky. <laughs> I mean, are you all right? Let me rephrase it. Are you actively going to look, or at least keep an eye out for similar opportunities to do something? You know, maybe not next year or the year after. But at some point, are you, are you going to keep an eye out for the next thing? Yeah, I will. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. But yeah, not in. I. I've got a lot of um, a, a lot of making up to do. <laughs> I've been away from <laughs> my family for weeks. Um. And you know i need to show them some love and attention quite frankly um so this isn't going to be an a, an every year thing for me um 
but yeah in in two years maybe in three years maybe i'll do it again and maybe at that point they're old enough to do something we could do something together but the the whole photo tour thing was awesome okay next question and it's a fairly obvious one when you do come to do this again film or digital next time as of today digital but take my instax printer with me um but that is in part a reaction to having done it the film way for the last two weeks. So it, it you know, the, the 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 pendulum has swung back the other way. I think, and also that, you've not seen them yet, have you? So, well, you so there is a risk. There is a risk that 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 I, I don't get anything out of this um, because it's, they've been through so many X-ray machines. Those films. So. Oh. Um, at this point now if they come back and they're all amazing uh i'll just go oh, yeah you know sod it because if they can go through a dozen x-ray machines i can go anywhere in the world with whatever film i like can't i um if they come back and half of them are fogged in some way from the x-rays then oh, boy, who knows but i think you know really the prag the pragmatic thing to do is to take uh, a digital camera as well um, i wouldn't want to do it in the future with no film cameras um, but I think, yeah, and, and the reason I didn't take a, a, a proper digital camera this time is because I didn't want to be distracted away from doing the whole film thing. Um, but that's, you know, only uh, uh, in the next week or so, I will know whether that was a foolish thing to do or not. <laughs> OK, well, this, this leads me on perfectly to my last question before we go to a break. So this is the joy of film. You've taken all these pictures, 15 rolls of film of all these different places you've been to. And as yet, not just because of the x-ray machines, but just because, you know, the vagaries of shooting film. Out of all the places that you've been and taken pictures and all the shots that you've taken that are hopefully on there, which pictures, which place, which one are you thinking, oh, I really hope that one has come out more than any other. Is the one that you're thinking, God, I, I really hope that one's come out. Blimey. Um, I mean, in some ways, all of them. I mean, because every time I put my camera to my eye, I was pointing at something new that I'd never experienced before. I mean, it really was that uh, that different. Um, I think there's, there's, there's a few uh, shots of people. So let, let's call them candid portraits uh that sort of stuck in my mind a bit um uh, from from various different times through the through the trip so uh one thing we got invited to do was visit a school and meet the school children and the teachers and so taking some photographs of the school children um other things are more sort of yeah sort of festival things people people experiencing a festival and you know um yeah i wandered into the 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 market area of the festival uh one afternoon uh, and there was th uh, th three uh, people who were clearly in some sort of you know musical band or something or other. They were sitting resting, having a cup of tea with their musical instruments around. And I waved my camera and smiled and said, "Can I take your photo?" And they went, "Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure." So I took their photo. That, if it's come out, it's going to be an awesome photo. Um, you know, so there's, there's there's a few. It's not one particular thing, but it's a sort of type of photo, I guess. That if they don't come out, I'll be quite disappointed. Um, and I'll just have to go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the good thing. You, you can just go back and such an easy short trip to make. Well, <laughs> go back with a digital much. camera. Yeah. Can I ask, can I ask one, uh, one last question before, before we go to the break, actually, eight. Um, you, obviously you took your 35 mil cameras, didn't you? Um, do you regret not taking the medium format? Do you think that's something you would take next time? What are your feelings on that? Another good question. Um, 
the purist in me certainly regrets it. Um, the person that had to carry all that shit around for a fortnight <laughs> doesn't regret it in the slightest. So 35,000 feet or wherever you were, like crazy. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, I, I know. The, as much as it pains me to say it, 35 mil was absolutely the right choice. Um, yeah, the the size and bulk of of my per, of my medium format cameras would have made it infeasible. I suppose I could have taken a Holger, but that wouldn't have given me. I mean, that would have been even more risky because you know the, there's only a very small you know set of lighting conditions where you can efficiently use a Holger. Um, uh, I know that there are um, there are folding medium format cameras in fact actually mm-hmm. when i got back rob hawthorne um had sent me a link to an ebay auction for a a fuji um uh, range finder 645 um that are smaller and lighter so yeah potentially i could have done those but the thing is is that these things these are not staged photographs these are play- these are photographs where uh we are um you know sort of grabbing an opportunity to take a shot so you need to be able to move quickly and um with those kind of you know sort of medium format range finders they're not as quick to use so no it was the right choice then it was it was the right choice even though it wasn't my heart wasn't in it (laughs) well we will all be waiting with bated breath eh, to see what you get come back from that i really i I don't think there's going to be any problem with any of those scanners i think you'll be fine and i'm really looking forward to seeing what you got i hope you come up with a good plan for sharing them we talked about this before you went away so i hope you now apply your brain to thinking about how you're going to get these up on the internet for us all to see Um, and also printing printing them sharing them framing them getting them up and out there and maybe an exhibition who knows yeah yeah you haven't listened to all of our back podcasts yet listen to the one with thomas on it and uh, you'll get all inspired to do an exhibition later that could be the next thing for you anyway we're going to take a break now and when we come back we'll find what rachel's been up to and also we'll try and bring aid up to speed on all the comings and going in what has been an incredibly busy couple of weeks in new film products whilst he's been away oh back in a second guys And we're back, not just from the break, but from Bhutan as well. I'm getting great at these cheesy intros. This is depressing. I need to stop aid next week. You're taking this back over before I go full Alan Partridge. Um, Rach, not only is it your birthday today, but you've been busy as always. So fill us up with all the great news of what you've been up to and also all the goodies that you've got for your birthday. Yeah, so I got some lovely goodies for my birthday. I um, uh, I did have a, a ring at the doorbell earlier today, um, to which I was very excited. Went to the door, opened the door, and the postman said, "Here's a parcel for next door." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it's one of the uh, you know one of the most disappointing uh, parcels you can get on your birthday is a parcel for somebody else." <laughs> but never mind, because 20 minutes later they rang again, and it was a parcel from you, Graham, which is very sweet via. Uh, sorry, it was a parcel from Angela via yourself. <laughs> there we go. That's the right way around, isn't it? So Angela, um, who is um, at Der Pencil, um, bless her, from uh, from Canada, had sent over a lovely parcel, which you'd opened last week on the show. Um, I believe you packed it back up into the box. You did save me a bag of the OMGs. Yay. Um, so they came along, along with some other goodies, some um, coffee crisp kind of biscuits, 
um, and some Solaris uh, films. So uh, I'm very, very pleased to have had a chance to try out the OMGs. I ate two this morning, very restrained of my airfeel. Um, and, uh, and I've now got this lovely film. And added to that, I had from yourself an extra special present which was, I was worried when you said that, I was a little bit worried as to what it might be. You but, probably should have been now that you've yeah, seen it. Yeah, I was, I was. Um, but it turns out it's a, um, there's not actually, oh no, there is a brand on it. Okay, it's called Split Cam and yeah. it's by Image Fusion. <laughs> which sounds a little bit like, a, I don't know, like an East Asian dish maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got some Image Fusion split cam happening and some very expired rolls of Agfa film, which I had a little look at the box. Did you notice this before you sent them over? Uh, I'm probably not. I'm very observant. They expired in November. Ta-da! Uh, birthday um 2000 <laughs> so they're now 17 years old Hooray. Um, same age as you rate well entirely <laughs> exactly the same age um so yes that was good so i've got my two two rolls of um expired agfa which i'm looking forward to putting through the split cam and, and not just to, to, uh, yeah, those came because that's some of the film that Andrew Bartram sent us. So, see, Andrew, I'm I'm sharing some of that. Oh. Good on, so that's courtesy of Andrew Bartram. Thank you so much, Andrew. Um, the other bits of film that I got were um, two that were labelled up with some yellow labels that I couldn't exactly read. So, I was going to ask if you could translate them for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this translation is from Eric's terrible handwriting. So, this is some of the film that our lovely friend Eric and Load Film and Subdued Light sent us. So, you have got, I think there's some Tasman Mikrat there. Which okay, is, uh, this is why I couldn't read it. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got Eric's list in front of me. I can barely read it. This is just Eric's terrible handwriting. Thank you, Eric. Which is uh, <laughs> an ISO 6 film from 1975. And um, I think there's also some Polypan F there, which is a 50 ISO film. Um, yes. I can't remember. I think that was it. Was in there? Yeah, I think it was, those are the two films that were in there. So Excellent. you want to describe the split camera because I mean, being sent to camera is a real you know treat, and this is a very special camera, isn't it? It really is. I should I should wind it on for you. Hold on. There's a click. <laughs> okay. And okay, so the split cam, let me just describe it. Okay, so it literally, I don't know if you sprayed this yourself, but it kind of looks like it might have been. Um, so half, the, to, the top half is yellow, the bottom half is black. I'm assuming that it was originally all black, but then somebody took a, a kind of, um, I don't know, like a graffiti spray can to it and sort of like sprayed half of it yellow. Um, but the idea, I believe, is that you can open the shutter, sorry, you can open the the um, uh, the actual like cover, lens cover, in two halves. So horizontally, if you can imagine, there is a split across um, and there's two sliders to open up the, uh, the lens cover. Um, so that would be the top one and that's the bottom one. There we go. Oh, God, if I broke it. No, it's OK. It's still in one piece. So there's two little sliders that would open up two halves, a bottom half and a top half of the uh, of the lens cover. And there are also corresponding um, covers for the top and bottom half of the viewfinder as well. So I would imagine the idea is that you can take a photo of half of a frame and then you would wind it on. And it has this kind of like weird little um, like skip back kind of thing at the back so as you wind it on it also clicks back one which would then you could open up the other half of the lens cover and take another shot which would give you two halves 
horizontally on the same frame. Not That's quite how I yet. read it. Not okay. quite. Go so on. basically that little button, that little thing on the right of the winder yeah, yeah. cocks the shutter. So you can, you the shutter and the wind-on mechanism is completely separate. So you can take one picture with the top half blanked out, okay. cock the shutter and then put a different, you know, so you can basically take top and, different top and bottoms on the same frame. Um, okay. And then you, you can do as many exposures as you want. I mean, you'd be great for just doing double exposures for, or triple exposures. Mm -hmm. Explosions. We love explosions. Explosions. <laughs> um, it's a real, I mean, the build quality is spectacular. It sure um, is. You know, that's, that's the finest quality cheap awful plastic and the paint job really is great because it just <laughs> it just bleeds from the top half to the bottom it's great um this was another we i talked briefly last week about the 127 work of um tony Kemplin on Flickr. Uh, i did double check that was the right person this is a camera that i got turned on to by being by seeing some of his cool pictures on Flickr because he done some it, it's, it's great for architecture you've taken some pictures of some great big skyscrapers and kind of made them like half going one way and half going the other way. they're all very cool and yeah so mm. I, I think it could be a perfect cheap shots camera for you right oh my goodness <laughs> don't even start with that but it, yeah i mean fascinating i've never seen I've never seen hard in a hair or something like this before. So um, interest, interesting times are ahead, I feel. Um, so are you saying I don't actually have to wind on between shots that I can do half an exposure and then take another one? Because it doesn't seem to want to do that. I'll, have to, I'll play that, around that, it with it a bit more. That, that little switch to the right-hand yeah. side of the winder, you you move that, move that from right across to left and yeah. that cocks the shutter again. Okay, we'll give it a go. Yeah. I will try that some more. I'm very excited to put some expired 17 or, I was going to say 17-year-old film, but there's some from 1974 as well. I'll try that. Yeah. <laughs> um, through a split cam. Who knows what will come out? Um, and my last lovely surprise I got as part of that package was a um, a fabulous badge. I've been, I've been looking for patches, these sort of patches for so long um, from the Shoot Film Co., so from Mike Padger. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it is unsurprisingly the lovely Sunny 16 patch, which says no light meter, no problem. <laughs> and uh, I just need now, I just need to find something to uh, to sew it onto, which would be cool. So maybe, uh, you know, for like aid, he's got his like hiking, walking pants now that he's been out and bought. <laughs> and maybe I need to buy myself something like that that'll uh, that I can put a patch on. I'll have to get you know, one of those um, waistcoats with lots of pockets in, you know, that like oh, twitches God. or bird watchers have or something. No, no, no. no? no? Okay, okay. So Maybe a you, camera bag. <laughs> you, you gave us quite a long list of what you asked for for your birthday. Did you get any <laughs> of the stuff you asked for for your birthday, Rach? Well, I did, actually. I got three packs of the Instax Wide monochrome. Woo! So that came all the way over from New York, uh, from a Best Buy in New York, um, as I'd tracked down. That was the only place they seemed to be selling it. I don't know if they're selling it elsewhere now, but at the time that was where they were selling it. So I've got three packs of that. So I've got 30 shots of Instax Wide Monochrome. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to shoot any today, but I am very much looking forward to uh, to trying that out. So, uh, yeah, I've been desperate to get my sticky mitts on some of that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hear, seeing what happens with that as well. Actually, I'm yeah. very, very curious about that. Yeah, because in the mini, it's it's awesome stuff. Actually, it is it's lovely. I, I have shot maybe two packs of it as on my Instax mini, and that was literally just on my Instax. I think it's the Instax 60 or something. You know, it's it's very much the toy camera, the like 
powder blue one or whatever um and uh, and so i just i bunged it in that and and had a had a little shoot with that so um not as um manually adjustable as the instax mini that, that you know the lomo any mini one that you've got aid not any mini <laughs> i know it, um, i know what you mean <laughs> you know what i mean yes absolutely um so because i didn't have that at the time but i have since um purchased one you know sort of like secondhand so i'm going to try it out uh, i'll try out it i tried it out in that before so uh, i'm looking forward to uh, giving it a go on the insects wide this time it'll be great yay so that was my film that i got from my lovely long list of film and maybe i'll get some more for christmas who knows who knows um but yes that was news on my birthday goodies and um this week i've been busy doing some digital editing from shots that i did at the palm house uh, for the fundraiser um i also met with an analog photographer who i'd first met at the open eye gallery when i was doing a workshop there uh, a chap called luke uh, he does some lovely work and he's just graduated, actually. So he's been busy um, figuring out, you know, his sort of like next career moves and what have you. Um, and he's been doing some work at the local university and working with a Riso printer, um, which I've not really had much um, experience with at all. But I love what they come out with, um, especially if they're kind of they've been um, sort of like wood carvings and, uh, you know, sort of like stamping, printing, that kind of thing. So I had a chat with him about um, last week. Obviously, Aid, you, you obviously went here, but there was some discussion about maybe doing a Sunny 16 zine. So um, obviously that was something that both Graham and myself thought, oh, that would be lovely. But obviously um, there's work involved in that and we weren't sure how how to go about doing that but I thought I'll speak to Luke and see if he's got any ideas because um, obviously he's got this Riso printer which which looked very cool so he's going to do a little bit of experimenting and seeing uh, whether it will work I think it's more for things like lino cuts and illustrations rather than photography um, but between him and speaking to Thomas and a few other people who we know who've made zines and that kind of thing um, I'm sure we'll we'll uh, come up with some solutions for where we go with that so that was another thing I did this week. And yesterday I went to film at the Idle Women's Institute, which was lots of fun. So um, this is the one where I was talking about um, women taking apart cars and uh, basically doing deconstructed car mechanics for a dystopian future. It was very exciting. Um, so I got to see um, them changing the, the oil pump and the filter and, and then basically just sort of like taking parts off a Land Rover. So it was like, oh, there goes the back door. Oh, there goes the wheel. There goes the side panel. And there was like nothing left of the car at the end. It was great. <laughs> so I had loads of fun doing that. Um, and finally, my other parcel that arrived today was a lens. So I've got, very excitingly, let me see if I can cock the shutter now. Hold on. There we go. Let's see if you can hear it. Oh, there we go. That's a good, to... solid noise. Nice, isn't it? I'll take it round to the one second so you can hear it go a little bit longer. There we go. So that is my new lens for the um, Chroma, which um, is is being made by um, by Steve, who is um, at Everyday Photographics on Instagram and on Twitter, I believe. And he's going to be building me um, a large format camera. Um, for, it's an acrylic body, um, and we did. I did a little um, sort of 
uh, what's the word, field report with him when he came up to Liverpool with Hamish and we did the the video for the Kickstarter. So he'll be launching that soon. Um, but yeah, so he's basically going to be building me a large format camera. I just needed the lens for it. So I've now purchased a nice little lens. And um, hopefully, it, I think it's actually the same one as he's got on his his model uh, sort of um, uh, prototype camera. So I'm hopefully going to be using that for the art commission, you know, that we talked about last week, Graham, um, the one oh, that I'll awesome. be doing in a couple of weeks. So I'd said it would be nice to have the option for having pinhole, but also having one that's, you know, got the lens so I can also shoot um, with something a bit different and try that out. And if it works, then great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I can experiment with that in, you know, in the future instead. Where did you buy your lens from, Rach? Uh, I got it on eBay, actually. Um, just did a little bit of searching, a bit of research, and uh, and found this one. So I just need to measure it and make sure I send the right um, shutter, copal, um, zero or one or two uh, measurements over to Steve. So, yeah, exciting stuff. He's got the uh, acrylic and uh, he's about to build the body for it. So, yay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it's it's very exciting to hear that that's going ahead. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that Kickstarter get going because um, I think those cameras that he's working on look really cool. Um, I, I love the funky colours that come in. Uh, so I've chosen my colour. Mm. Go on, then. What colour did yeah, you go for? I've, I've gone for a, uh, a blue, a powder blue. Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> very nice. Very cute. Apparently it's neon on the side, which is kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, I decided to go for that in the end. Um, and yeah, just just to give a quick little shout out to Steve, he is on Instagram. He's at Everyday Photographics, so you should have a little look at the sorts of cameras that he's building on there. You certainly should. Do you mind if I ask how much did the lens cost for it, Rach? It was um, hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds good. I, I at some point I need to sort out the lens mm. for my my large format camera because it's a bit sticky. So, um, <laughs> well, whilst we're on the subject of Kickstarters, tangentially. Mm. What a week it's been for Kickstarters. Um, so uh, obviously we thought that November was going to be all about Silbera, um, which is kind of that campaign is still going on. We'll talk about that briefly at the end. But um, just after we finished recording last week, whilst Aid was still off uh, in the land of great happiness and many penises, um, dropped the news that the reflex camera had hit kickstarter now we had mentioned this really briefly a few weeks ago and the reason we mentioned it really briefly was because there was no information about it to be found um we speculated a bit about it but it's out there now um the kickstarter is live and running i suspect many people listening to this will have already had a chance to go and see it but you know if you're the kind of person who like me listens to podcasts and never gets on the internet maybe this will be new to you um Rach, do you want to explain to Aid, if you can, what the reflex <laughs> camera is? And then Aid can ask questions, because this is quite an interesting new take on the camera here. Well, I think actually it was Aid who'd originally come across them, and it all seemed very mysterious at the time, and there wasn't much information around. Um, now, obviously, there's quite a lot more uh, has come through now. Um, and um, basically, M from Emulsive did uh, an article announcing uh, the reflex when it first came out. It's a 35mm SLR system, uh, first one for around 25 years, um, so they say. Um, it's brought to us by a guy called Lawrence Van Thomas. Um, and basically, it's a modular 35mm system, meaning that there are um, interchangeable backs and interchangeable uh, lens mounts. So you'd be able to use various different lenses 
um, on on the front on the front, obviously, to take uh, to use different mounts and different types of system um, mounts, so that you can get lots of different kinds of effects and use your other old lenses that you already have from analog cameras. Um, plus, you'll be able to potentially um, swap out the back as well. So you could get half shoot shoot half a roll of film, change it for you know from black and white to color, or change your ISO um, and mount that in if you've got a second back. So, um, so yeah, they're, um, currently it's been designed um, to allow the multiple lens systems to be used, include, they say including um, M42, Nikon F, Olympus OM, the Canon FD, Pentax PK. Um, it says the basic camera is going to ship with the M42 iPlate. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so uh, basically it means that you can change it mid-roll and change your lens out, um, a swap and change as much as, you, as much as you want, really. I was very, very excited to hear about this. Um, I think it's definitely something that I would um, look to use. Um, they are currently on the Kickstarter, I think, retailing at three, $350. I believe, um, or is it pounds? I'm it's sorry, pounds. I need to check that. Sorry, sorry. Pounds. Thank you very much, um, Graham. Yes, yeah, so 350 pounds. Um, and uh, uh, that's for, um, obviously, just for the body. Um, but we, we would assume that, obviously, most people who are shooting with analogue already have a lens or you know even if you're just coming to analogue you can pick up a, a you know a, a lens pretty cheap so uh, depending on the sort of effect that you want then you've got the option for that it also has a built-in flash and led um, so you've got some continuous light source as well if you want that um, apparently both the flash and the led have three different intensities to give you that option as well Yep, and um, what the, the 350 pound model comes with the M42 mount as standard. It does. So, it yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there you go, Aid. He go. It's an SLR. You can have it with. You can buy. What you could get the Nikon mount for it. It's got the interchangeable back, so you just like your Bronica, and it's got like not one but two choices of lighting built into it. Um, <laughs> are you interested? Can we sell you on this camera? I think it's a fantastic project i really do i think the the chart the uh the ability to use different lenses i think is a really strong point um because uh i mean I, i'm i guess in in 35 mil i've pretty much stuck to the one system um and so you know i it, it, i guess you know for me the the benefit of having being able to use different lenses is that i could choose the the nikon version I guess maybe Graham for somebody like you who has a, a, a large collection of, of different types of lenses, actually being able to use them all on the same camera might be interesting. Um, mm. So I think yeah, there's 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 some really there's some really good stuff here. I mean, am I interested? Um, I think it depends on the overall build quality. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, because I have two really really good thirty five mil slrs and i know uh, and and i know something that's new and has a warranty uh, uh is 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 better because if you've got something there's the warranty on it then you've got yeah then you've got an industry then haven't you? you've got an ongoing capability and that that yeah that we i feel strongly that i would like to support you know these kinds of uh these kinds of developments 
um, because you know the the guy who services my Nikon's is going to retire in a few years, mm-hmm, I expect, mm-hmm. um, if he's not already. <laughs> I mean, this is something we've talked about, isn't it, in the past as well? And and just to answer your question, I think uh, the um, the camera shell, as as they've put it, is uh, it's constructed or going to be constructed from a magnesium alloy to make it light but robust. Um, it'll be weighing in less than five hundred grams for the body only, obviously, um, and it'll also have a rechargeable. Um, um, battery, uh, but it's a lithium, uh, sorry, a lithium rechargeable battery, which means it, you can also do it via USB uh, rather than trying to find sort of the little button batteries and all that kind of thing. I don't know about y- yourself, but um, I was running around in a bit of a panic a day before I went off to Italy um, to the middle of goodness knows where, um, thinking, oh my God, my o- my OM30 is going to run out of battery halfway through my shoot, so I best go and grab some uh, <laughs> now. So you know, at least that does give you the option of just plugging it into the wall and recharging it if you, if you, as and when you need to, which, sort of thing. Which so, sounds great as well. I mean, yeah. and, and it hits a lot of the, you know, if, if you look at the technical specs, it hits a lot of my buttons. It shoots aperture mm. priority, which, mm-hmm. you know, which is the way my brain works. Yeah. Um, it ha- The viewfinder, 0.86 magnification. Now, uh, this is a real bugbear of mine. Most cameras I find the viewfinder is way too small, distractively too small. Um, uh, which is one of the reasons I love my Nikon FE2s because they're up there at something like 0. 0.85, 0. 0.86 or something like that. So mm-hmm. expect to see um, a 0. 0.86 magnification on a, on a 35mm SLR. That's a really big, bright viewfinder. So that's going to that's gonna work really well. Um, a 4,000th shutter speed, awesome. Yeah, um, that's really good, actually. I was thinking, oh, gosh, yes. Uh, and again, this is it's almost like I'm reading this spec for the Nikon FE2, actually, because it, 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 it's it's um, uh, it's that good. So if they can make this, um, if they can support it mm-hmm. um, and the build quality is what it promises to be, I think this is going to be an awesome camera. Um, so the next question is, am I going to am I going to pledge? Uh, well, uh, happily, I don't need to. I, that, that is an ethical and moral question I need not worry about, because as we record this with 22 days to go, they're already well over their funding goal. Ooh, so, work, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so they wanted one hundred thousand pounds. They've got one hundred and twenty five thousand pounds. So, you know, that's brilliant. Um, I'll, I'll give it some thought. Um mm-hmm. Uh, and see but yeah may, maybe maybe i won't buy a camera but maybe i'll make a pledge to help con you know, to con- contribute rather than um rather than buying a camera at this point uh, at this point i don't need another camera um and, <laughs> and at this point um having just come back from shooting 35 mil constantly for two weeks <laughs> really all i want to do is pick up a digital camera and spray and pray for a bit <laughs> Just as an antidote. (laughs) I completely understand, Aid. I think I'm at completely opposite end of this where I'm like, oh my goodness, give me this camera now. I just want to like uh, try and find the money. So I was busy on Tuesday because obviously Graham and I recorded um, last week's episode on the Monday and then all hell broke loose on Tuesday when this, this, um, you know, was announced, which is fantastic. Um, But obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. So there I was um, ripping, you know, stripping out the house, trying to find, you know, bits to spare you know 50 pound notes or uh, I don't know what I was after you know bits of change down the back of the sofa under the carpet um and uh, bless them the people who um who were obviously building the reflex were like don't tear up your house we'll send you a, we'll send you a prototype so you know that would be really lovely if that if that does come off Graham was very uh, very good at uh, getting on board with that and making sure that they uh, uh he was like well you know how about how about this 
Um, so it'd be it'd be great if uh, if we're able to do that and they're able to send us a prototype. I will happily test it out and we will um, maybe get a a bit of a better. Uh, viewpoint on what it can actually deliver um, at that end. Um, just looking at the time scale for that, um, currently on their on their sort of like Kickstarter and what have you, it's showing as um, November 2017. Obviously, it's Kickstarter starts, um, um, and January, uh, sorry, and September 2018 is supposed to be Reflex at Photokina. So you know, it, we're looking over the next sort of, um, I suppose, sort of like seven to eight months or so before it begins shipping yeah um, i mean if they've yeah. got the backing to do that i mean i think uh, i think i understand that they have two prototypes at the moment don't they what mm-hmm. one, one is a um, a prototype of the industrial design and the other is a prototype of the mechanicals or the electronicals mm-hmm. i suppose yeah. Um, yeah uh so if they can get those two into the same box by photokina next year that's very impressive work indeed yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's really it's a really forward-looking camera um I'm. I, I think it's really. I think the price point they've got at 350 is a solid price point. It's not cheap, um, but it's also. You don't it, want I, something I, like this on the cheap. You, no, you, you don't. No, you want it absolutely. to be. You know, and and you know, uh, you want it to be in a position where it's economically viable for them, so they can keep yeah. making them, and so they can yeah. keep supporting them. Um, yeah. You want it to and be well priced built, so they can you know? grow, yeah, and well yeah. built, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are always compromises in the in the manufacture of, of products, yeah, you know, but the, you know, we don't want them to make want them to make good compromises and, and not be forced into the realms of making bad compromises because the price point is wrong. So I, yeah. I think you know three hundred and fifty quid for a you know, a brand spanking new thirty five mil camera or or three nine nine they're saying will be the retail price. Mm. Um, that seems pretty generous to me, actually. And then yeah. you think about how how much you know uh, an F two or whatever was selling for originally as well. You know, it's not out of the realms of about three times the price. Well, exactly. So if you look at it in comparison with that, it's like, well, you know, there are there are lots of things that you're getting for that for that price. So um, generally, I'm I'm very positive about this. That's that's my personal feeling, obviously. And you know, there's questions to ask and there's updates for us to to hear from them about how how they go about producing this, but overwhelmingly I feel like this is a very very positive and exciting thing for for the industry in general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I think, Couldn't agree more. You know, we just have to keep our fingers crossed. At the end of the day, I know some people are skeptical, they're concerned because it's, you know, people who have not made a camera before making a camera, there are concerns over build quality, there are concerns over all of these things, you know, it's trying to do a lot of new things. Will they work? Are they necessary? The, you know, the, the modularity, the interchangeable backs, all of these things, are they just gimmicks? We will find out when the rubber hits the road, but um, it's a forward-looking product. Also, I just want to mention, um, because we already talked about Silbera briefly, and we'll talk about it again at the end, but um, the nice thing is that Reflex have um, teamed up with Silbera to for some of their... Um, uh, rewards. So if, like me, you can't afford to <laughs> shell out 350 quid for a camera, but maybe you want to support it and you want to get something, there are things like if you pledge 50 quid, um, 50 of your English quids, uh, you can get an analog pack, which includes um, a reflex film canister and some Silbera film and some other bits as well. So there are ways to actually support 
two awesome companies bringing stuff to market in one fell swoop. So that's very cool. Um, if anybody's interested in this, just Google Reflex Kickstarter and you will find it. It's absolutely worth having a look, even if it's not for you. It's interesting and it's forward looking, uh, which is the most important thing. Um, and in some ways, quite opposite to the other camera that's been kickstarted this week, uh, which is um, less forward looking. I think it's fairly safe to say. So this um, was brewing uh, a few days ago and has um, hit Kickstarter a few short hours ago. This is the Elbaflex 35mm true analogue camera, history reloaded. Uh, and what this is, well, I mean, if, apparently in very short terms, this is a Kiev 19 camera, um, updated a bit, light meter stripped out and put out the door. Um, that's perhaps a little dismissive and offhand, but uh, I don't think it's a million miles away. Um, the Ihagi band or Ihagi or however on earth you're supposed to say that name is one of the many brands which actually died quite a long time ago and now the name has just popped up because somebody's got the rights to use it um and this, this is sounds um, familiar this sounds a bit like oh what, what was it yashika <laughs> yashika yeah <laughs> and, well no i mean at least this time it is an actual film camera and what they are making it is a true slr sorry um, i meant more that they bought perhaps yes. the brand name yeah 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 no you're absolutely right rach this is trading on brand recognition um although um Arguably, I'm not sure that Ihaji is the most well-recognized of brands. To well, I've never well, heard of them. No, no. Um, well, you've probably heard of Exacta Aid. Um, you may well have heard of them. Um, that and I that, have, yes. Yeah, okay. So that's who made the Exactas. Um, ah, so what, okay. What this is, is it is in another SLR. So we have got two SLRs coming out in the same week. Uh, this one, a little bit more old school. So... Um, it is Nikon mount, which is a thing. Um, it has uh, no light that's meter. That's not just a thing. That's a good thing. Well, it is a good thing. Although um, the Nikon 35mm SLR was the most recently made. I mean, they still make Nikon 35mm SLRs, don't they? Uh, they? They still say that they sell them. I don't suppose anybody's buying them, so I suspect the production has been shut down. But that is just pure... Um, supposition on my part yes but then anyway, they were making them until up until very recently so nick quite well there are a lot of nikon slrs out there in the world um so yes no light meter because uh, apparently um you don't need light meters anymore because uh, phone apps i will read exactly what it says on here actually um today it is much easier to use a light meter app on your mobile phone which offer you much more than a small light meter in your camera which requires batteries to use um, okay. Um, it has shutter speeds from uh, one to one second to a five hundredth of a second, so um, you know a, a limited range. Um, as you can probably tell from the way that I'm talking about this, I am not bowled over by this Kickstarter. Um, it it has a video. Uh, I watched the entire video and I'm the only one of the three of us that managed to do that because both Rachel and Aid watched 30 seconds of it and went, ugh, I can't bear it anymore because it is... Um, you took some... one for the team there, Graham, because uh, I stopped it about a minute in. I think Aid got 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> in. 
it's um kind of pandering guff uh spouted by somebody who sounds as though they're doing an advert for um a euthanasia clinic in switzerland uh frankly um and it's all about slowing down and the analog and and actually not very much about the camera because there's really not very much to say about the camera um you know i'm i'm obviously pleased to see another new slr hitting the market that is a good thing um but uh yeah this is not not really doing it for me and i think what's particularly putting me off it is the fact that uh one of the things that they say is that the real highlights of it is that um they're managing to bring it to us at a um a cheap price that's like uh, the great thing is um this is going to be cheap or affordable we're going to make it affordable uh, and their definition of affordable and mine varies somewhat so if you get on the earliest of early bird the day ones uh which is a 24 hour only offer it's 500 dollars for a really basic bare bones no light meter you know like i said one five hundredth of a second maximum shutter speed slr um that's a lot of money uh and the projected retail price of it once it goes fully live is fifteen hundred dollars which is insane i mean it's just it's just flat out bonkers um i I, I hate being negative about these things because, you know, we want new camera products to come to market. But this is a camera which has essentially, hopefully, better build quality, but all the functionality of something like a Zenit or the Kiev 19, you know, something like that. One of the late made but basically old construction style SLRs. Um, you know it's got they've made some nice little touches to it. it's got like a wooden bit on the front of it now to make it a bit more pleasant to hold that's about it actually um yeah i it's I think, leaving me real real cold and yeah. slightly angry i think i think the thing f- for me that makes me most sad about it is is that they're playing on the idea of the fact that buying this particular camera will make you a good photographer because it's like buy this camera that makes everything better because it's analog but it's saying it has to be this specific one rather than explore the world of analog and see what else there is out there and then maybe invest in something like a modern slr at some point you know so i just feel like it coming out at this point it's potentially diluting the market that might be there for something that feels a bit more innovative or there are more things going on for uh, perhaps like the reflex um but you know the other side of me is going oh okay like hamish put out you know a post earlier this week about stop bloody moaning and support the analog film industry which is you know very dear to my heart of course it is and uh, so it's kind of a bit torn between making sure that you're going actually yes it's about supporting these these innovative products um but equally going well you know if you're if you're somebody coming into the market for the first time um yes potentially you you're not even going to be looking at the reflex because that's 350 quid and i haven't got that you know at this point it's it's you know pulling up carpets to find the cash for it sort of thing but 
that feels much more attainable after you've entered the market with perhaps, you know, a K1000 or something and you've been shooting for a few months and gone, oh, do you know what? I really love this. Maybe I will then step up to go in, ah, oh, you know, the, do the reflex now rather than go into something perhaps like the Elberflex, which, you know, at that sort of price point, by the time it's gone to market after the Kickstarter, 1500 just feels like, well, you know, is this money for old rope? Is this, you know, where's where's the value specifically in this camera that they're their video is is trying to and and the way that they've written about it is trying to make you feel like this is all about um they've introduced the creation of a masterpiece is how they've put it um so to take their their words it's basically uh, the camera is equipped with a nikon mount so it opens up a whole horizon of possibilities to use your lenses um and best of all the system is offered at a very affordable price with a full two-year guarantee and German-based repair centre. So as you say, Graham, their idea of affordable and our my perhaps idea of affordable is quite a, a different point. So, yeah. Um, I think the thing is, like, the key word that you used in that sentence was um, innovative. There is nothing innovative about this. Essentially, what you're doing is going, well, I want a camera that has some reliability, so this has got a two-year guarantee. But the reality is you could buy an SLR of comparable or arguably better functionality once a month, every month for two years and spend less money on it. You know, there are, there are so many good quality um, SLRs out there. Uh, and, and, and this argument got thrown up against the reflex. People going, well, what's the point in this? There are millions of SLRs out there. And yeah, yeah, yeah actually, there are a lot. But, you know, they're not an infinite resource. And I think the reflex has at least some innovations which give it a reason to exist. This this is just going to drop into the sea of Zenits and Kievs and Practicas and all of those other cameras, most of which are still just plodding on because they were built like tanks in Ukraine, just like this one's going to be built like a tank in Ukraine. Um, and, yeah, £500 is a lot to ask for it. £1,500 absolutely insane um so can we tempt you with this one because it's got a nikon mount <laughs> yeah i'm just trying to figure actually i'm listening to you guys talking i'm thinking i'm gonna say something in a minute i'm gonna say something in a minute and <laughs> i'm thinking what what do i say because you know so um I, it, it it doesn't make any sense to me i mean it, it i mean it looks quite pretty um <laughs> Uh, they added the, a wooden handle after after yep. a fashion yeah um uh, I, i'm trying to think it so, so it's not going to be really very usable because yeah it's got uh, a poor selection of shutter speeds uh it's got no meter uh, it has got a pc socket so I, I quite like that but the flashing speed is only a 60th so mm. um so 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 n none of it seems to be none of it seems to be useful uh, so I again, so I, and I'm struggling a bit because I I'd like to support these things as well. I mean, the other thing is is that I I'm not sure how they're going to be able to afford to do all of that maintenance stuff, um, because they're only asking for fifty thousand dollars, and so um, and they've got you know they're they're doing all right against that so far. They're nearly halfway there, and they've still got nineteen days to go. Um, but I don't understand quite. Um, quite how, how it's going to work <laughs> yeah well, but economically or, or mechanically so i think whereas the 
the the the reflex seems to to have to you know to, it seems to be you know they've got a stretch goal for doing an app that can capture metadata now that's pretty innovative they're starting with a specification for the base level camera that actually um is 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 almost competitive with digital cameras today a shutter that does a four thousandth is you know that's not bad is it really there's quite a few cameras that that don't go that far um so and it's better than most film cameras so yeah, you you can see that the, it seems like the the guys behind Reflex are are making an effort to do something that will be good as well. Yeah, will perform well as well as being robust and being somewhat innovative, as you say. But this just feels I don't know. It feels concern- it feels like Hasselblad rebadging a Sony. Yeah, uh, and and also like the fact is that um, on the thing that says that once they've done the initial run for the Kickstarter, after this, when they're charging fifteen hundred pounds each, that's because they'll be handmade. Like, okay, that at this point is sounding increasingly to me like this is a parts bin special. You have got stuff because you don't hand make cameras like this unless you just have a lot of parts kicking around. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're being. Mm, unnecessarily harsh in it but i mean like that, that light meter thing saying that oh it's better to use your phone than the camera that goes against literally all the rest of everything you're saying about you know analog photography oh you know get in touch with the picture you know be more mindful slow down and then take your phone out your pocket and look at that instead jog on i think is where i finish on this um <laughs> i think maybe we should come back to the whole you know idea of actually the the stop bloody moaning and support the film photography industry as a as a kind of nice way to finish though is that you know at least this is showing there are there is interest in the analog industry at least it's showing that there are people who are starting to sit up and pay attention and say actually maybe we should look at developing a modern and new 35 mil and maybe in the future medium format etc uh, cameras um new film stock you know coming to market i mean this year has been incredible for that um hasn't it you know with all these new releases and uh, lots of new uh, new products coming to market so in general i think that's a really great thing to take away from this and um perhaps just as a as an overview it's more about getting the numbers of people um putting their money where their mouth is and actually just backing something anything kind of to to show that there is the interest there and there are people interested and and want to support this um and and then you know it will figure itself out from there you know after that point it it means that we've all got more options and we've all got you know um uh, on a wider scale, we've got more things, more products, more film to look forward to, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Not anything because you're not allowed to back this. Um, but no, you're true. We have to look at it as a positive thing because it shows that the um, resurgence of interest in cameras, in film cameras, has got to the point where people are thinking, I can make a cheap cash grab on this. So that's, mm-hmm. is that a good thing? Well, let's, yes, it's a good thing because it's a sign of how things are going. Um, just to finish up, because um, the Silbera Kickstarter is still running. Uh, it's got 10 days left to go. Um, that is an Indiegogo campaign that has failed to gather steam, but I just wanted to very quickly say that they are continuing to, to up, put out updates for that. Silbera Film is going to go ahead, whatever happens. They are going to make this a thing. Um, they are going to put out films. Um, if you haven't backed it yet, go and check it out. Go and read the updates that they put out for it. See if it persuades you anymore or not. Um, but 
you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, I'm hoping we maybe get to chat to Constantine at some point, but we'll see how time goes. Uh, they may put an extension on the Indiegogo campaign to try and raise a few more funds, but I don't know whether they'll do that or not. But yeah, that's been, I think, by any measure, a bit of a failure, um, which is uh, slightly disappointing. But, you know, there you go. That's the way these things don't always pan out. Um, but yeah, check all those things out. The Albaflex, the Reflex, Silbera. It's... Uh, a busy old month on the film photography front. Um, right, we have been talking for quite a long time. So, um, Rach, we're gonna we've had a uh, we'll have a quick break, and then we'll come back to some brief email singular. I think. Right. And we're back for the emails, or this week, because we've gone quite long, we're going to make it email. So we had a couple of lovely emails from some of our regulars, which we will get to next week, don't worry. But um, I wanted to bring up, because we've got another new emailer, so we could not miss on that. Rach, take it away. Uh, thanks, Graham. So this one's from uh, the lovely Stephen Starr. He says, hey, Sunbeams, my following of the Sunny 16 podcast has, I have to admit, been lamentable. Mostly I've cited the fact that my so busy lifestyle doesn't allow me the time to listen for an hour and a half and then or maybe this week for two hours. Who knows? Um, and then for some reason, one of these those light bulb moments appeared above my head and I realized, hang on, I waste so much time driving in the car. It would be really easy to listen to the podcast. So I plugged my phone into the car thingy and I was away. A result. Anyway, I decided to start at the newest one and very much enjoyed listening to Graham and Rachel's interview with Isabel Curtis. I often swap thoughts with Isabel on Twitter sphere, and it was great to hear her actually talking. And I really caught up. Um, sorry, I really caught on to her appreciation of the beauty that she has around her, even if it is seen through, as she put it, a dark dream. I'll be slowly catching up with past podcasts, but I'm not sure how far back <laughs> how far back I'll go yet. Um, but there's plenty to keep me occupied in the car. That's for sure. Um, I also just wanted to thank Rachel for the shout out for the hashtag Mersey meetup in Liverpool on Saturday, 18th of November. Really hope Rachel can make it, but no worries if she's tied up with work. We do need to put food on the table. We should have at least a half a dozen, um, sorry, at least a half decent turnout. Um, but I'll let you know how it all went next week. And that's cheers from Stig, who is at Stig underscore of the dump. So thank you very much, Stephen. Um, really nice to hear from you. Yes, I am hoping I can make it along on the 18th. Um, we will see how things go. Um, currently, there's a there's a, an inquiry has come in, so I will have to uh, keep you posted on that. But if anybody else is around in the northwest area, Liverpool, Merseyside, Manchester, whatever, um, you can get in touch with uh, with Steve um, on Twitter and let him know that you're going to come along to the Mersey meetup. It's an analog photography uh, walk, I think, from about one o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, yeah, should be lovely, I'm sure. Awesome. I hope you can make it, Rach. It's always nice we get to catch up with some of the other fellow film folks out there. Um, I'll try my best, definitely. And I've yeah. now got my my wonderful. Hang on. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's one of those moments where I really wish the listeners could get the true tactile joy of using that camera because it's the build quality which really makes it. <laughs> I feel um, it's quite special. It makes even that camera, that big red thing of yours, or the big yellow thing of yours, that makes that look like a good camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to about do us for this week. It's so awesome to have the team back together and. 
uh, Rachel and I have been drinking our way through this evening. Aid had to stay sober. Um, but, you know, he's you're buoyed up by happiness from coming from the happiest place in the world, aren't you, Aid? Yeah, well, yeah, there's definitely a good chunk of that, certainly. <laughs> it's, it's kept you going. You're on happy mojo. We're on booze mojo. I wonder um, how long it'll take to wear it off. <laughs> we will see. <laughs> It's been so lovely to have you back, Aid, and uh, really nice to find out about your adventures in Bhutan. I'm sure other things will come up. Um, is there any last sort of highlights that you want to just mention that you've not yet perhaps talked about? Ooh, that's a good question. I tell you, uh, I didn't get a photo of this, but out of the window of the plane across the aisle and all the other people, I did see in the real life Mount Everest. Cool. Wow. Did it look big? Well, it was from a plane and it was a bit away. So, no, not really. But, <laughs> oh, well. but nonetheless impressive because of that. No, no. It, I mean, it was clearly bigger than the things around it. But um, uh, no, no, it was awesome. I mean, just, just knowing that I was looking at Mount Everest was, was pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a, a, a momentary highlight, but, but uh, an, a good one nonetheless. Yeah, there you go. I haven't seen anything impressive like that. The most, the most exciting thing. Uh, this is the entirety because you know I, Rachel made me feel bad for not having any uh, news to report this week. So here is the entirety of my news. I am really excited because today I learned that next year Radio Four is bringing back Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Are they? I, honestly, oh, I cool. could not be. Yeah, I know, right? I, there was a trailer for it, and like most of the old <laughs> voice cast, I could not be more excited about this. Um, so that's where I'm at. Uh, just that's all there needs to be just more Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, with loads of the old cast on there oh god uh, the most exciting thing the BBC have done for years as far as I'm concerned um, so that's me does that mean you're going to get a licence? yeah probably will well it's on t- it's on radio um, not on TV so you know <laughs> but I might do I might throw them a quid just because I'm so happy about it seems reasonable um, <laughs> next week Aid's going to be taking over again because I, I can't believe I had to do that again, this again this week, Aid. Next week, it's back to you, buddy. You get one more week of like cruising on the happiness vibe, and then next week, it's nose back to the grindstone. You right. you Fair enough. I'm sure we can schedule a, a good solid 59 and a half minutes worth of content. <laughs> well, until then, we would like to say thank you as always to Chris at Pixelated Photographer. Uh, for hosting the podcast, being just generally all-round awesome, giving us our name, keeping the podcast running when we keep breaking it, and just being an all-round great dude. Uh, We want Rachel to say thank you to herself. Go on, Rachel, take it away. Thanks very much to Roja for the music that threads through the podcast. Hey, look at me. Um, uh, You can find us on um, Twitter and um, Instagram at at Roja Musica and our latest album is Promises I Should Have Kept which is on Amazon and iTunes and you can find us we are at Sunny16Podcast on Twitter where Aid is back in full force now so you will get significantly more sense than you will have done over the last three weeks we are on Instagram at Sunny16Podcast where Isabel Curtis has been sharing some beautiful pictures and some interesting behind the scenes pictures over this last week and we are um, at Sunny16Podcast at gmail.com if you want to be an awesome emailer um, we especially love new emailers but we also love hearing from you guys who have written to us before so please keep those emails coming in and we have a Flickr group which is a great place to share pictures as well um aid if i remembered everything how do i know i haven't been here for a month sure. <laughs> let's assume that i have uh, 
we will be back next week um I, we've got an awesome guest next week but i can't tell you who it is because it's a secret and also i've forgotten but until then <laughs> from the whole team here at sunny 16 podcast it's goodbye goodbye bye Hey, you got to do the last five bit, eh? <laughs> For the first time ever. Oh, he doesn't so do the last goodbye. That's really <laughs> sweet. <laughs> <laughs>